and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from Philadelphia, where he will be attending the Sixers-Nets game tomorrow on Friday. I don't think uh, Ben Simmons is going to be there, Tim Bontemps. Well, you never know. The way this is going, uh, I'd say anything is possible. So we'll see what happens. But it seems joining, like a safe bet that he won't be there. Yeah. Joining us from Atlanta, where we're all deployed on the road. We're, this is legit. Um, is uh, Tim McMahon, Band McMahon, not banned in Atlanta yet. Howdy, partners. There's still time. The night is young. He's going to the Hawks Mavericks opener. The Trey Young, Luka Doncic. We're never going to forget uh, the 2019 trade draft night, uh, or 2018, I guess it was. 2018, and I think that uh, it will never be forgotten, but certainly it's well past the point of the Hawks feeling like they need to make any sort of apologies. Right. We're going to talk about the Mavericks a little bit later. So, guys, at the start of this week, um, I dealt with uh, DeAndre. I spoke about in the last podcast um, mm-hmm. after DeAndre Ayton didn't sign. Um, you know, I, I dealt with Bill Duffy. <clears throat> These guys have come out on the record now, so I'll just say that I, I talked to Bill Duffy, <clears throat> the agent for DeAndre Ayton, and then I talked to James Jones, the general manager of the Suns, heard their two sides of the story. Tuesday, Jeff Schwartz, uh, the uh, number one agent uh, in the NBA, over $450 million his clients earned just this season. Um, I dealt with him, There's, you know, uh, communicated with him uh, because he put out a statement very angry about the Sacramento Kings treatment of his client, Marvin Bagley, and then I talked to the Kings about it for the story that came out that day. Yesterday, Wednesday, I was in New Orleans for the season opener where I was with the 76ers for the day and then also with the Pelicans who are dealing with the loss of Zion. All I've dealt with all week is people not happy with each other in the NBA. And now you get to do a pod with Bon Timps and me. God, it just keeps getting worse. Just the complete absence. I will say this, you know, um, I, I met the rookies for the, the Pelicans before the game. Um, and they were, did they genuflect excited and happy? Did they genuflect? Um, no, but it was very nice to meet them. And, uh, there's my vocabulary word for the pod. (laughs) Word of the day. Genuflect. You know what it means, McMahon? I assume it means kiss his butt, but that's close. Look it up. That's close. (laughs) There you go. That's the official start of the word of the day. Sponsored by dictionary.com. There you go. (laughs) Dictionary.com. Just kidding. Uh, Dictionary.com is owned by Dan Gilbert. Um, And I also, you know, Tyrese Maxey started the game. It wasn't his first career start, but he started the game as the point guard, had some pressure on him because obviously Ben Simmons is not playing. And he had 20 points. And after the game, he was really, really happy about the way he played. And so I'm trying to hang on to these rays of sunshine to remember that the NBA is supposed to be fun. I realized when I, mean, you're I was talking, at a double overtime game last night. That was pretty damn fun. If I may say so myself. Good. I'm glad. I mean, I, I didn't, I heard about it and I saw the highlights, but obviously wasn't able to watch it. Cause I was at the, the Pelicans uh, Sixers game. Let's remember to have fun. Damn it. Wait, but I got a question and you're, you're a phenomenal reporter. So I know you asked Jeff Schwartz, <laughs> the one thing, the one question everybody has about that statement. <laughs> What was that font? 
<laughs> I didn't ask. I don't even know if people know what we're talking about with what the statement, but Jeff Marvin Schwartz. Bagley, Marvin Bagley, not in the rotation. Jeff Schwartz, not happy. And what was the exact phrase he used? Uh, classic mismanagement or. Uh, I think it was a classic case of mismanagement. There you go. There you go. It's been, hey, it was a rough, it was a rough week for the top two picks of the 2018 draft. DeAndre Ayton didn't get his extension and and Marvin Bagley didn't even get a second of playing time and apparently won't in the near future. Yeah, it's just unusual for Schwartz to speak publicly on the record at all. He doesn't operate that Mm -hmm. way. And very unusual for an agent to put out a statement like that. But it more than that, I mean, the Kings are um you know, the, the Kings have to do what they have to do. And that's the whole thing. And, you know, we'll be monitoring them. Actually, there's signs of life as just a quick, you know, passing comment. There's signs of life in Sacramento um, playing with their, their sort of guard dominant lineup. But um, and that's, that's why he's not going to be playing as much is because, you know, they had, you know, Davion Mitchell that they drafted and, but I mean, I don't want to talk about the Kings. The point is, um, you know, the Kings went four and on the preseason and they beat the Blazers uh, in Portland last night. But the point is there's just not a lot of fun happening right now. It's not an appropriate level of fun for the first week of the season. <laughs> and I'm, but, um, but here we are. So the mellow ball had fun. And then I going to say there was a lot of fun to be had. Fun police. We could be talking about. Well, yeah. The mellow ball had a blast. You talk, did you see, I mean, dude went what? 31, nine and seven. And then wore, like a, a, a highlighter yellow uh, suit with a trench coat. <laughs> Let's start calling him the human highlighter instead of the human yeah, highlight. Exactly. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what kind of car it was, but it sure looked expensive. Yeah. Um, so okay. Um, I checked my contract, and we have to. We have contractually updated to talk about Ben Simmons. I, I really. I think there's going to be so many twists and turns in this that by the time this podcast gets posted, this is going to be out of date. But okay, I. Uh, this you know, is you're, and and it's like uh, Ben Simmons, like when he didn't play, it cost him three hundred sixty grand. So for like every podcast, we don't talk Ben Simmons. <laughs> it costs you what, like thirty six hundred? I mean, how, how much are you getting paid per? Yeah, pod probably here? about I'm just trying to know, figure 30, this out. Probably about th- three hundred sixty dollars. Probably. <laughs> Why well, hey, you're doing better than me? Um. So, Bon Temps, you've been around the Sixers a lot. You were around them this week when. Yep. This all went down, but I'm going to tell you what my one day I've been around the Sixers for one day this season, one day. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that I have any super insight. I've certainly talked to both sides off the record, but my analysis of being with the Sixers for one day for their opener is this. They are acting like the ex who's trying to show that they've moved on with their lives and are very happy about it. They were during that game. They were effervescent. They were dancing on the sidelines. They were, you know, and I mean, they blew out the Pelicans in the second half of the game. The game turned into a laugher. And so it it was designed for it. But they're all saying the chemistry is great. The chemistry is great. They went to a team dinner. You know, Joel Embiid was was talking to us after the game. And he said, normally I on the road, I stayed in my hotel room and I um, and I played video games. But, you know, I have to get out now. And so they organized a team dinner. Basically, uh, Ben's not here. Let's toast dinner uh, Tuesday night when they got to New Orleans. And then they had fun on, um, on during the game, even though Doc Rivers admitted to me before the game that it's no fun right now. Um, they're like trying to send the message. We're just fine. Um, 
and they're almost in a way, Bontemps, again, this is my read based on one day and talking to the players and coaches. They're almost kind of saying, uh, let's all unite around something. And that's Ben Simmons. Their, their chemistry <laughs> ben Simmons is, finally bringing the Sixers together after all what? these years. That's, that's, that's better put than I just, than I could have done. That's very well put. Uh, do you think, what do you think about that? Uh, Bontemps, this is your team. You're going to pick them back up tomorrow. Well, I would say this. I would say from the beginning of training camp, the Sixers have been, and really since the beginning of the summer, when Ben Simmons asked for a trade, this has been in the same situation that we've talked about ad nauseum, which is that Daryl Morey is not going to make a trade for Ben Simmons until he can get enough value back that the Sixers remain a championship-level team. And I'm going to read you something that Daryl Morey just said on the, on the radio here in Philadelphia. People should buckle in. This is going to take a long time. If we can trade Ben Simmons for a difference maker, we will do it. So what I would say is that we remain in the same situation we have been in through this whole thing, which is that there are three scenarios. Scenario one, Ben Simmons decides to come back and play. The Sixers are happy to have him come back and play. And the team goes on from there. Scenario two is they send Ben Simmons home. They don't pay him. And this goes into some sort of legal battle. McMahon is using uh, numbers to designate these points in the background. No, I'm throwing so up the peace track. sign. The peace sign. Deuces and, to Ben Simmons. And the third path is maybe there's some middle ground where, you know, Ben Simmons comes back, tries to say he's hurt. Some, some kids oh, his, some his back is sore. Who saw yeah, that? I mean, I, I don't think that really is how it's going to go. But I, I think it's one of the first two scenarios. Either Ben Simmons decides to play and he's part of the Sixers until they figure out a trade or he eventually just gets sent home and uh, they go into some legal battle about the pay. I don't think this is going to be a thing where three weeks from now, we're still talking about Ben Simmons is maybe in or maybe out. Please, I, I think this please, sort of like the Kyrie Irving situation. Whatever higher power you choose, please don't let that happen. Well, but listen, I think this is a lot like the Kyrie Irving situation, right? Where at some point the Nets had to make a decision on mm-hmm. what they were going to do, right? And I think here for both Ben Simmons and the Sixers, that point is coming pretty quick. Where Ben is, Ben came back clearly because he wanted to get his money. Well, at this point, it's going to be, do you play and get your money and, you know, try to make this work until you could get traded or do you get sent home because you're just not willing to participate? And then it becomes a legal thing um, that down the road, there's some sort of settlement or there's a, you know, it goes into court and you figure out what's going on with the money that it feels like this. I don't think this is a thing where the Sixers are going to be one or what's going on with Ben Simmons. Like I said, two or three weeks yeah. from now, I think you we're know- either going to know or not. The, the, the other scenario is it's interesting that Daryl Morey said difference maker and not superstar. You know, uh, I think there's a lot more wiggle room to define difference maker than there is superstar. And, you know, that I think it eventually he's going to have to budge on, uh, on, on what he's demanding or asking for unsuccessfully so far uh, in return for Ben Simmons. The value is not going to go up as he pouts his way in and out of the practice facility for the five minutes he shows up per day. It's, it's just not. So, you know, and the, the Sixers as a team, you're talking about, you know, the, the bonding and, you know, Embiid, hey, he came out and one, you don't have to read between the lines a whole yep. lot when Embiid gets in front of the microphone. Yep. I well, don't that, care about that too, man anymore, honestly. That's pretty clear. Absolutely. The but, other thing, too, is that the Sixers are going to be good. As long as Joel Embiid is healthy, they're going to be pretty good. Like, it's not like this situation where they're going to be 11th in the East. If they don't make a trade, well, if Ben Simmons isn't playing, 
So they yeah. have time to wait and see if something materializes, which they have a much better chance of getting a better trade if they can wait two or three months and we get to December, January, February. Everybody in the league is eligible to be traded. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then they can look around and some team maybe panics because they get off to a slow start. Maybe teams, you know, let's, you know, maybe there's teams that think they're going to be good and they struggle and they decide to go in another direction, whatever. There's a lot of options that become available as the year goes along. Right now, the options are limited. And again, as we've said so many times on this pod, Daryl Morey of pretty much any GM in the league is going to be comfortable waiting until he gets a deal that has that championship percentage for him, either the same or higher mm -hmm. until that deal comes across his table or his desk. I just think we're going to be, like he said, I think we're going to be stuck in the same situation for a long time. Well, and, a and long they time. Will. You know what he said on this radio show? He said, you're going to think I'm joking, but I'm not. This could take four years. Wow. <laughs> which, which is they, they can't have four years. Of, I mean, of that's, that's posturing. That's there. posturing of from Daryl, but of course, well, it's no, posturing. but I'm just saying, but I'm saying that if for most other teams, like look at the Jimmy Butler situation in Minnesota, right? That situation got ugly and they made a trade real quick. And you could say they didn't get great value in the trade, but they just got rid of Jimmy and moved on from it. Right. They decided it just wasn't a tenable situation. I don't see Daryl Morey making a trade like that. Well, I look at look at look at uh, the Rockets. You know, Morey's last stop. They were determined to hey, you know, the high. To I forgot the exact quote that the the, the high ranking source gave me, but basically a high tolerance for uh, uncomfortability. I think it was. yes, and we're okay being uncomfortable. I think that, was the that that the that quote. tolerance level uh, decreased pretty quickly, and well, look, you I know mean, they you were really demanding superstar and a and a batch of picks, and they were like. Oh, Okay, hey, we'll just take the batch of picks. Well, and again, time. The, the the very significant difference here too is that James Harden had suitors lined up, willing True. to offer the farm for him, right? And the difference here is Ben Simmons doesn't have that same level of interest, and so that's where the rub is, and that's why the situation is so different than all these other ones. No, the rub is on the his was, lower the back. Would do it. Look, What's yeah, that? The, rub, uh, the rub's on his lower back. That's what <laughs> <the score right laughs> right. Hold on about that. <laughs> Remember, it was Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers, who told Sam Hankey, don't worry, you got four years, you got six years, do whatever. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then guess what? He eventually pulled the plug. Okay, so he doesn't have four years. Now, I agree, he doesn't have four days, but he doesn't have four years. I know this because I know from past history that Josh Harris won't stand for four years. He doesn't have the stomach for it. So well, I don't know. Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid, and you're on a timeline with Joel Embiid well, where you're not going to just sit and have this we're not gonna Four years isn't the, happening. We're not going right. to entertain the four-year thing. It's just the right. point that he said it. Sure. I mean, if, are we entertaining four months? Are we entertaining this being something well, that look, is up there, to the there's deadline? A, there's an inherent problem here that I don't think is it's crystallizing right now with Ben Simmons claiming, according to to Woj, that he had a back issue today. And I believe Shams from The Athletic reported that he wasn't mentally ready to play. But there's a there's a there's something that's important to realize. This is not just a trade demand. A, a trade demand gets made all the time. There are probably a handful of trade demands that are out there right now mm -hmm. um, uh, that are being ignored. I mean, Marvin Bagley is one of them. You know, I don't know if he formally asked for, you know, went in and slammed his fist, but he's wanted to get traded for a while. But there are there are players out there who want to be traded and they're just they're playing and, and, and trying to have it dealt with. This isn't just a demand not to be traded. This is a demand to literally not have to be there. Right. And that's what Ben is showing here. He's he doesn't want to be there. 
And that's where it's an issue because he's Daryl is saying four years or whatever. How is Ben wants his money? So I mean, how is this going to get resolved? If we're talking about Daryl Morey's version of time, so he took a gap year and then was hired by Philly the next week. So I don't know how you <laughs> translate four years. Like I'd have to do the math. I'm not real right. good at the math. So well, like I'm just weeks. saying Daryl Morey's version of time is not necessarily something that you, uh, you know, would well, judge look, on a normal calendar. Well, and that's Brian. That's why to my point, this is, this is, I think, I think if you look at how the Kyrie situation played out in Brooklyn, I think it's analogous in that, this can't go on for months. Like there, he's either got to decide to play, or they're okay, going to be like, you but gotta who's go home. gonna, who's gonna, who's gonna lose face? Everybody. Because, because well, I mean, everybody's lost it already. I would because say because Philly, if Philly just sends him home, which is probably going to have, you know, Philly can't have him do this because, like, I talked to a couple of 76ers players privately about this uh, yesterday, and they were like, "I was like, what's going to happen on Friday?" And they're like we all like to know ourselves, you yeah. know, uh, there was a discussion with one guy that I had about how, you know, they're going to announce everybody, you know, it's opening night. Hmm. So even if Ben wasn't like playing, he can't, you know, he can't be there. Well, obviously now that appears likely, but like they were going to have to, an- I mean, you you've know, got the you've got they not, announced being, the two way guys. And let him walk out. You, well, yeah, you, I don't think the Knicks announced Taj Gibson last night because he wasn't with the team. So I'm sure they could okay. get around that. But in but. theory, he was supposed to be. There. Sure. No, Dude, sure. you've got the whole city of Philly just ready to pounce on this guy. I mean, you've got uh, Embiid is not the only starting center in Philadelphia. He's yes. taking shots at uh, at Ben Simmons. You've got Jason Kelsey on the Eagles, the Eagles starting center. Is is ripping Ben Simmons, basically yes. saying, "Hey, play well, the fans will love you," you know, and then essentially told him to, to run out your ground balls to first base. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it that all of this just goes to the same point in that this is all coming to a head here in the next week. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if a week from now we have a sense of where this is at because it's just this is not. It's like the Kyrie thing where you couldn't go through the season if you're the Nets and have Kyrie play half the games and then not be able to play a half the games. And then it's just a story every single day. If you're going to try to be a functioning NBA team, you can't have it that way. Unless you're playing, unless you're playing the Pelicans all the time. (laughs) And then there's going to be a lot of effervescence. If my context clues are correct (laughs) against the Pelicans this season. What's effervescence mean? Um, Effer, effer, effer. I'll I'll tell you exactly what effer means. (laughs) I was talking to an NBA GM today uh, when I was flying back uh, on, on my uh, layover. And one of the things he said to me was the NBA is not a thing where you're half in half out. You can't, you can't ride the fence. You are either in or you are right. out. And right. that is ultimately what, you know, the nets had to come to grips with. So we yeah. are at that point now with Ben, the question is, are you going to put him out and pay him? Are you going to put him out and not pay him and say, we're going to, well, I, a I don't him? think there's any chance they're sending him out and not pay- and paying him. It's either because they be, can't lose face. They can't. Well, lose face. but it's but also they've proven like they've all these other scenarios in the past. The teams have not been willing to find the guy to this degree. And like the Sixers are clearly trying to make a point here. And so, again, it's is Ben going to okay. show up and play or not? That's what Sh- it comes. Shams to. reported today that he said he wasn't mentally ready to play. If he says I'm not mentally ready to play. In the current environment, 
can the Sixers find him if he says I'm? I don't. I don't know. Well, you know I don't that, think that's, that's for a that's for the, the the players' union, yeah, the league, I, all them to figure out. I, I will say this: if I'm betting, I'm betting that Adam Silver will go easy on the player. If we're just, I mean, it's a safe let's bet. Be, let's I wouldn't take that here. bet. Yeah, I wouldn't bet. take that bet. But look, I think one way or the other, this is gonna this is gonna be resolved pretty soon. I think because they just this, like you said, this this cannot this cannot go on in this limbo for everybody for an indefinite period of time. It just can't. You guys want to talk about basketball? I would yeah. love to. Um, well, oh, oh, actually, wait, actually, hold on. We got other non-basketball to get yeah, to. Yeah, because <laughs> you had a story today, McMahon. Uh, Pablo Torre had a podcast. I, I just, know. But- I, just, I just put some quotes together. Let's be yes. honest. Pablo had, uh, had a really interesting, entertaining podcast with old Bob Volgaris. He's not that old. I think he's my age. Take it easy. Uh, he's, he's 46, I believe. So he's oh, older, he's than, older me. than me. And I said, he I looks said, good old. For 46. O-L apostrophe. That doesn't mean old. <laughs> I see. Jeez. You're, you, you live in Nebraska. You should know these things by now. Um, so the ESPN Daily Podcast had an interview with Bob Volgaris, who was an executive with the Dallas Mavericks for the last few years, but had consulted with them. Did you know he consulted with them for a decade? I did not know. I, I did not know it, it was that long. I knew that he had been around for a while. I did, I, I'll be honest. I did not know it, it was a uh, full decade. Uh, but he started with them full-time. For, he, he was with them for three years, I think, full-time. Right, as, was, a, as a full-time employee. And a story came out in The uh, Athletic uh, in the spring about dysfunction within the Mavericks organization, about how uh, Luca didn't like Bob Volgaris and even implied that Luca might not extend if Bob Volgaris was still there. Within days of that story coming out, Donnie Nelson, who'd been with the uh, team for 20 years, was was he fired? fired. Was that, he, was, he was fired. He, so he was got fired. fired, which made it pretty clear that the uh, Cuban felt that he was the he was the source yeah. of that story. Well, he was um, he was he was a source. Is certainly the belief by Cuban. Yeah. Um, and so now Bob has let his contract run out. And now that his contract has run out, he is now giving the interview to Pablo, which you should listen to because it's interesting to hear him discuss the uh, back and forth in the Mavericks front office. Um, McMahon, what were your takeaways? F- f- and the disclosure, I've known Bob Volgaris for over a decade. We're not close, but I've known him for over a decade. Just want to clear that. Um but McMahon, what were your takeaways from what Bob said? Yeah, um, based on everything I know, Bob shot straight. Um, you know, he certainly it's his version of the way things went down, but uh, it was it was not you know he didn't BS like you know based on the people I talked to. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way: he didn't say anything that surprised me, and he didn't say anything that set off my uh, my my BS detector. And look. You know, if Donnie Nelson ever decides to to come out and uh, give his version of events, I'm sure they're going to be different. And here's the thing: like Bob acknowledges, he does rub people the wrong way. There is a you know smartest guy in the room type of vibe. Uh, you, you know, you, you can call it an arrogance. Um, I'll say this: Mark Cuban doesn't miss Donnie Nelson. Mark Cuban does miss Bob Volgaris. Mm. You know, he Cuban really wishes. And it, it really came down to the water got too muddy. 
Um, Bob, you know, and, and Bob's not shy about saying it. Bob was filthy rich before he took Bob. Bob's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He doesn't well, need he, this job. He said he won. I don't know about profit, but he said he won over a hundred million gambling, which I believe. I, I mean, um, and then he's made a ton in crypto. Like the, the man is worth significantly into nine figures. And so this NBA thing was, it was kind of a, you know, I mean, he was getting paid seven figures. He was getting paid well. But it, he wasn't doing it for the money. He was doing it because it was kind of living out a, a, a dream, and he thought he could be, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a, an impact NBA executive, and he got that opportunity. Um, well, the, but it, it, it look, you know, the Game of Thrones comparison—that's the way that it was, and it wasn't just Donnie Nelson. The reason we're going to talk about this is this next detail. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. He described on this podcast about the 2020 draft. Do you want to say what he described, what he the story that he told McMahon, this I mean, is why and, I want to. Yeah. And so this is something that uh, the athletic mentioned it. And it's one of those things where there was definitely a lot of people who wanted to blame Bob. Oh, I knew we shouldn't, you know, I, I knew we shouldn't have taken Josh green, you know, and that was after Sadiq Bay, you know, got off to a good start and all that kind of stuff. But basically the way Bob explains it is Donnie got upset that he felt like Bob had Cuban's ear, which was hundred percent accurate. He did. Um, and kind of threw a fit and, and, and left the draft room. And suddenly Bob's like, okay, like, I guess I'm going to make the pick here. And look, hold on. Let's take a 30 second time out here. The draft is arguably the most important thing that a general manager does. It defines the organization. Exhibit A, Luka Doncic, who has changed the complete uh, direction of the of the uh, franchise, and 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 he's the uh, him and Jalen Brunson are probably the only two guys over the last decade you could say were quality draft picks by the Mavericks. And Bob mentions that, and that's actually I'll, get, I'll go Jay Crowder as well. Okay, so Bontemps, how much time, effort, and money do general managers, presidents, whatever their titles are, spend on the draft? They travel around the country all year long although in 2020 no, around the world zoom say, all the around globe. the world uh the the mavericks you know donnie is known to scout europe heavily mm -hmm. uh the you know it's it's something that they pour week months millions into 
And obviously he was frustrated. This is he gets up and leaves the room. He leaves the room when it's come time for the draft pick. After saying, "Why don't you be? Why don't you be the GM?" You know. So look, I mean that this is a. Stu- and- I mean, I was. You know, I, I. You know, there's all these stories about who makes the picks, and we all remember seeing the. Um, you know, Vivek Ranadive when they let the cameras in the room when they drafted Nick Stauskas and him like, you know, yeah. doing doing a little conductor thing going around the room and everybody saying Stauskas. This is wild that the general manager or whatever his title was, president, I don't know. Yeah, president of basketball operations. Walks out of the room. By the way, he then stayed on the job for another year. Another year. And and let's be honest, the, the reason, the primary reason Cuban was so loyal to Donnie Nelson, there, there were two reasons. One, like you're the guy who convinces, you know, before Cuban bought the franchise, convinces uh, ownership, you know, your dad, Don, uh, who was GM at the time to draft Dirk? That's going to buy you a lot of goodwill in Dallas. You he know, stated you, that he was in the draft room that night. Yeah, and he he was the driving force behind them drafting Dirk. Um, you know, he he takes a lot of, and people want to give him a lot of credit for Luca. Luca Luca was a Euroleague MVP at eighteen. Luca was, you know, this isn't well, a guy who was playing second division ball in Germany. No, no you, you know, no, quite, the Mavericks organization. He still deserves, was sitting there at the third pick, though. The Mavericks no, organization I, deserves a lot of credit because three teams said they didn't they didn't want Luca, and they put their you know what on the line. When they that. they they moved up to get him, Donnie does get credit. I'm just saying it's not like Luca was some, you know, Dirk was kind of an unknown, and Luca was pretty damn well known. Um, but you know the the other thing is Cuban had the very ugly divorce with Don Nelson, with Donnie's dad, you know, the former GM and coach. Just a, I mean a legal mess, a PR mess and all that. Donnie ultimately sided with Cuban that bought him a, a lot of loyalty, you know, D- bringing Dirk to town and siding with Cuban against your dad. Those, those are two things that are going to bring you a lot of loyalty, but what Donnie lost over the last decade was trust. And this, this wasn't, he's, he's won power struggles before, you know, Gerson Rosas, uh, Cuban said, Oh no, no, we hired him to be GM. Um, but it was on a 90 day trial period. Yeah. So we'll just send him back. We'll send him back down. I 45 <laughs> no, to the Rockets. No oh, one's yeah, ever no, heard, totally no one's ever heard of a 90 day trial period and, as a general and, manager. And, and dude, Donnie Nelson ultimately won a power struggle after Chandler Parsons was the primary voice in Cuban's ear for a couple of years. Like Chandler Parsons had significantly more control over personnel than Donnie Nelson did for two years. That is simply a fact. And so, you know, this is one where Donnie didn't. Uh, that's amazing. Didn't, I mean, I know that that's true, but that's amazing. It, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Donnie finally didn't win a power struggle. And, you know, the way Bob put it was he basically decided to, to go out as a suicide bomber. If I'm going down, this guy's going down with me. And, you know, Bob clearly feels that there were people who, turned Luca against, I'll be honest though, man. Um, you know, he, he makes thinly veiled references to Jamal Mosley, um, who was the defensive coordinator, the coach who had the best relationship with Luca and, and somebody who could have calmed Luca down is, is Bob's belief. And that well, calming well down true. is a key thing because that's a, what Luke, Luca Luca got mad about. Well, Luca, um, but Luca gets mad about a lot of things. Let's be honest. And Luca. Yeah. I honestly, and this is, this is just me, you know, 
my, a theory of mine. I think one reason that Luca just had it out for Bob is because Bob was linked to Rick. Rick and Bob had a very good working relationship. Bob wasn't dictating lineups, but Rick sure respected his information and sure did. They absolutely. Well, the players them. thought he was dictating lineups. The apparently. players did. The, the players absolutely did. And look, guys like, and you know, Bob mentioned Courtney Lee. Courtney Lee is a guy who really Luca really liked. You know what it was like I, listening to listen to that pop that pod where Bob was talking about Courtney Lee got mad because Bob didn't want him to play and then Rick stopped playing him. Yeah, and Courtney Lee approached him. It reminded me of, of him describing that that scene in Moneyball, where like um, you know not that Bob is the inverse of Jonah Hill. Uh, Bob is <laughs> cuts some you know I've seen I know Bob's worth uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, but uh, some of the women that he's shown up with in courtside. Uh, uh, he does very well there too. Um, but, uh, you know, basically he's kind of like Jonah Hill in the room in Moneyball going, you know, Hey, we're, we're not going to pay. <laughs> we're not playing this guy. You got to play this guy. He doesn't get walks or whatever. Like, yeah. um, I, I, it was like Bob sitting there going, yeah, you shouldn't play this guy. He doesn't make threes or not that that was what he said about Courtney Lee, but you know, um, yeah, but he didn't want to play Courtney Lee. He didn't want to play JJ Barea. These guys knew that these guys were also, you know, vets that Luca really liked. And I think in, in, in some ways looked up to, and, and a lot of guys in that locker room did, but Bob was immensely unpopular in that locker room. There's no question about that. And I, and honestly, I also think Bob was a convenient, you know, call it scapegoat or boogeyman or whatever, you know, it's, it's hey, you know, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. And you're blaming him instead of basically, you know, I, I, I don't know that for certain, but uh, I think there were times where instead of having hard conversations with a guy, you could just blame the, you know, the, the, the boogeyman nerdy gambler. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it does, you know, the Mavericks were deemed cutting edge for a long time. And their track record since winning the title has just not been very good. And this, what Bob, what Bob is saying and all this kind of unmasks that. And like, look, at the end of the day, when your coach, who was the second longest tenured coach in the league, I believe, wasn't he? Uh, uh, I forget if it was him or Spolstra. It was like within a few okay. days of each other. Okay. But yeah, right up there. When you're, when your coach who won you a ring, when your team president who made major as you said impact in the organization for 20 years and when this guy who cuban valued all are out of the organization within a couple of months it's not good and you know lucas signed I, the extension I, I, so. I would say i would say they had significant cultural issues i would i would not tie rick's departure directly to donnie nelson's or as a matter of fact i wouldn't tie it at all yeah but he nelson's left he order. wanted out of there no, he resigned. No, he he knew his time was coming. Okay, fine, but he's out. He's gone now. Right. So, you know, I'm. I, trust me, Rick would have loved to have stayed. He knew it was a win, not if, and so he was going to determine when, and it was going to be when he could get a twenty nine million dollar deal from somebody else. <laughs> no gap year. Did he, he didn't say he was thinking a gap no, year? No, 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 no. He was. <laughs> he 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 knew he was going to be coaching. Uh, this season, he did yeah. not want to, and he look, he didn't want to go into the season on the hot seat, and he would have. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now we can talk about basketball. Yes. God, I'm depressed. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Man, you said you you uh, you had a takeaway from watching the first few days of uh, games here. Yeah, and and basically, it's I, I feel like you know we've got like the recent MVPs are being slept on. You know, with so much Nets and Lakers and da da da. I thought the Bucks made a pretty loud statement. Hey, remember us? We're the defending champs, and <laughs> you know Giannis is still the best player in the league. Like we can have a debate. But he's the dude who just had 50, 15, and 5 to close out the NBA Finals after winning MVP the previous two years. He's got a pretty damn strong claim on it, and he sure as hell looked like the best player in the league when they were kicking Brooklyn's butt up and down the floor uh, You know, after they got rings that were the size of hubcaps. Okay? <laughs> well, Bonds, um, the thing about the Bucks is they – you know, they've got this advantage because the, the Sixers and Nets just are not as strong as they would have been. And even though I still think they're both going to be great teams and hell, the Nets could win the title with that roster, but yeah, they're not going to be as good. And the door is open for the Bucks to go get the top seed again. And they, the, the, bigger... the vision, they played that game they got their rings and then they played that game. Like it could matter in the long run, in the tiebreaker. I think the bigger advantage is that they go into this season with absolutely no pressure on them. If you go back and look through time, you know, we talked about this a little bit before the pod, but really other than the 2019, 20 Raptors who didn't have Kawhi Leonard anymore, it's a pretty significant difference. Mm -hmm. And really the 2011 Mavs, when they sort of blew that team up to go into free agency the next summer, right? You win the title, you come in the next season and there's pressure on you to win. Right. And there's really not any pressure or focus on the bucks. They won this championship. The city hadn't won a championship in 50 years. Everybody was celebrating all summer. Everything was great. Meanwhile, the Nets were the big bad, big bad boogeyman in the East. The Lakers were the big bad boogeyman in the West. They were the teams everybody's saying are going to make the finals. They're you know got all these stars traded for Russ. The big three is back in Brooklyn. They're all healthy. They would have won. The Bucks were you know the Bucks got lucky, etc. So Milwaukee comes into this season with no pressure on them, despite winning the title. And I think they're going to get a real boost. And this is something I've talked with some executives about. You, you win a title if you're a guy like Giannis. You know, if I covered a lot of that playoff series. You guys watched it all. That team was playing like the weight of the world was on its shoulders in those playoffs, right? You could see they knew this was their chance, and they were playing like it. And especially as that series against the Suns went along, once they started to win and they could see it right there on the horizon, they got looser and looser as that series went along. You get to the – it ultimately culminates in game six in the second half 
when Giannis just completely has the Neo moment, takes over, is unbelievable. At both Hits his free throws. Right, hits his free throws. <laughs> it's and you still look, amazing. He comes, he's well, just switching he, them. What was he, 17 and 19? He was 17 and 19. And you, and you look, <laughs> the, the biggest thing about that game on Tuesday, you look at it, you know, he's worked with Josh Oppenheimer, his shooting coach, uh, assistant coach at the Bucks. He has a three-second routine now. His release is clean. He was seven for nine. He's hitting jumpers. <laughs> What's that? Not going to make the joke that comes to mind, but it would have been That's at your right. expense. Go well, on. He, well, listen, he, he was, his jumper looks good. He is rising up without hesitation. He's shooting free throws like that. He looks like a guy that's playing free and easy. And I think the league has a in lot his to be prime. About. What's he what has, I mean? He has two MVPs and a finals MVP, and he's just entering his prime. He's just and getting like, started. And nobody like I, I don't you know, the whole I'm disrespect gets said too much, but certainly nobody. There was not a big buzz nationally about the Bucks after they won a championship. No. So and, I, you know, I, the other, I think that's a big thing for them. And, you know, I said recent MVPs, Nikola Jokic. Uh, I thought he was pretty damn impressive last night. Pretty impressive win by the Nuggets uh, coming back on Phoenix's home floor. And, yep. you know, look, the West to me is as wide open as, you know, I guess last year it was. It, it feels just as wide open as, wide as open. it was at, at any point last year. I mean, all the concern uh, we've talked about, we're not going to overreact to Lakers, blah, 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 early in the season. I'll say this though, all the concerns that you had about that fit sure as hell have not been eased by their, you know, Owen seven without Kyle Kuzma run. <laughs> um, it's, it's been as, as you know, it's been just as messy as you thought it might be. And, you know, I picked the nuggets to win the West and it's not that I think, man, you know, it, it's not that I, how you know, many, I don't know. Who, I don't how know, many, how many people picked the nuggets to win the West? I think I was the only one. And as far as the ESPN folks, I picked look, Utah for a similar reason. And I thought about, I thought, of, I thought about like six teams. No, six teams and, can win. And, and, and my point was, you know, I don't know what the Nuggets' odds even are. I'm sure they're long, but I wanted to kind of have an outside the box pick because the the real answer is I have no bleeping idea who's going to win the West. And I do nope. look the Nuggets like Jokic is an absolute stud who looks like he's in as good a shape as he's ever been in. Um, Porter, I think is going to continue getting better. And then obviously the big wild card is when does Jamal Murray come back and, you know, can he get back to being something yep. close they don't to, know. and by the way, they don't know, they right, don't know when he's coming back. I mean, but, I was but, just with, the, I was with them last week in Oklahoma city. Yeah. Mike, Michael Malone was not a happy man. They were terrible in the preseason. Well, it looked pretty good in the second half last <laughs> night, but terrible. he was a little happier then. Yeah. Uh, by I the want way, him to go back to a buzz cut, man. I can't remember if I said this on the pod or not because I just can't remember my conversations. In Oklahoma City, the media still gets to sit on the floor. And it was the first time I ever got to see Jokic play at eye level. And so, therefore, I could actually kind of a little bit see the game the way Jokic sees it a little bit. And it only made me have more admiration for the way he plays. Yeah, because, because you, you don't you, see the way you yeah. don't see the game the way Jokic does until a second after. But yeah. like, how many times does Jokic make passes where you're like, "Geez, I didn't see but, that." But you can, but you can, I hands. could see the angles that he was seeing, and it it only increased my level of awe about the way he operates. Yeah. So yeah, he's awesome. But, but look, I I think the Nuggets are a team like they deserve to be. When we're talking about West contenders, they deserve to be in that mix. Uh, obviously, a lot of that depends on Jamal Murray. 
Uh, if he can be something close to himself by the time the playoffs roll around, same thing obviously goes for Clay Thompson with the Warriors. But the Nuggets are a team that has the reigning MVP and a recent track record of Cone's factor. Well, and I'll tell so you what, they've got a you shot. Mentioned, you mentioned Golden State, and that was the other team that I thought made a big statement in that game on Tuesday. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked for years when the Warriors have been good, even when the Warriors were great, they would struggle in those stretches at the start of the second and fourth quarters when Steph Curry wouldn't play. He'd always play the first quarter, he'd always play the third quarter, and he'd go to the bench, and they would kind of be, what are the, what are the Warriors going to do? Well, they go out there in the start of the second quarter and the start of the fourth quarter with Jordan Poole, guy we've talked about on this pod in the preseason. Yeah. Jordan Poole won them that game at, at Staples Center, um, took over the game in the first half of the fourth quarter. By the time Steph came in, the game was basically won. I mean, they just kind of held the lead there and won. But he's got a chance to be a real difference-making player for them and is really good. And if Clay can come back in a couple of months, like that Golden State team with the pieces they've got to maybe make a move or two, like they're one of these teams, too, that's right in the mix. They've still got an MVP-level guy in Steph. We've got Draymond playing as good as anybody defensively in the league. Like they Now they've got Jordan Poole. Like they've got some real pieces. So I, I thought that was a pretty big statement for them, too, to go into Staples and, and come, come from behind and win that game, especially in the way they did with you mm-hmm. know the deciding moments being with Steph on the bench and Jordan yeah, Poole and without stepping Steph, up playing great. You know, I mean, it's hard to say a guy who had a triple-double played like trash, but he said it himself. He, he didn't shoot it well, which obviously is un-Steph-like. And, right. You know, the other thing about uh, about Jordan Poole is obviously they were going to be patient with Clay regardless, just because, you know, you don't rush a guy back from two injuries of, of, of that severity. Um, but Jordan Poole definitely makes being patient with Clay a heck of a lot easier. And, and it sure. makes, you know, s- slowly ramping Clay's minutes up uh, a, a lot easier. Um, you know, I, I picked Terrence Mann for most improved player. And I still think he's got a, you know, he's a good candidate, but I, I probably should have gone with Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole's got a real shot at it. You can't, can't pick a guy most improved the first week of the season. Um, yeah, but I feel like. Oh, you're, oh your did, preseason pick is what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Preseason. I'm sorry. I feel like what he did the second half of last season, I, it looks like there's a very good likelihood of him using that as a springboard. He's he, exactly he was, the kind of guy who wins yeah. that award, right? Prominent mm-hmm. team, big role, chance to kind of repeat what he did last year, but take it a little bit farther increased and much role. bigger. Yeah. Right. And his numbers will go up a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So like that, it's sort of the, it checks the boxes for a guy that in three or four months we're looking at as a prime candidate to win that award. So I was talking to a GM yesterday and he, we were, he had watched the Warriors game and he was like, you know, when you watch the Warriors, you realize that the last two years they were making progress it didn't look like it in the standings but they were making progress their development guys were working they were working their systems they were uh, they were improving even though they were losing they were still improving that's what that's what chris demarco was their development guy the past couple years he deserves a lot of credit i know they brought in kenny atkinson this year is obviously a big time developmental guy but you know chris spent a lot of time working with jordan Poole among others and you can see the results well and actually you know i know that wiseman's coming back from injury but um, I really like Wiseman's skill set. I know that that pick has been called into question. I like Wiseman's skill well, set. They, I mean, listen, listen. They'd look pretty damn good if they had Lamelo Ball on their team. Let's just say that. <laughs> I agree. You, you think James so? Wiseman's got a lot of James Wiseman's got a lot of skills, and he's a talented, athletic not, guy. But 
I mean, called into question. I mean, listen, they they should have taken Lamelo. I'm not. But, hey, Aaron. you remember when? Uh, remember when Marvin Bagley went second overall? And <laughs> third? I had a Luca, right? Yeah. Uh, but listen, he's got a. Ch- he definitely has a chance of being an impactful guy. I'm just, just calling saying, the question was kind of an amusing way to just well, remember yeah, Santa Cruz. Just. <laughs> Santa Cruz is awesome this time of year. Are they the banana well, they, That's the thing about Golden State is positioned to make a trade. That is really the thing that needs yeah. to, that has to be pointed out, right? Like they've got all these young guys, they've got picks. They, yeah. I mean, even maybe Pool, but I imagine they do everything they could to keep him, given where they're at. Like they've got a lot of ammo to go get somebody, and that's yeah. that's what makes them interesting too. And they've got a ton of money teams. because they've taken out two gigantic, not not loans, but they've. They've sold off a piece of the arena and they sold off a piece of the team yep. for gigantic money they, in the last They need season. a lot of money though, because that luxury tax bill. I know, and I'm telling you. They got uh, they got money though. And they, they, they've they, been waiting they to have, fill that arena. They did that up. for a reason. They sold yep, off a piece been, of the team and they sold I, I don't remember the exact amount of money, but it's they got hundreds of millions. Hundreds, several hundred million dollars. In capital. Yep. Obviously, they've they, been they, got, they got Bob Bulgaris kind of money. <laughs> well, they've been waiting to turn that arena into a into a giant ATM machine. Right. And now that they're going to have fans back in there and the team is good and they got some excitement around it. It's you know, this is what they've been waiting for for two or three years now. I mean, this is this is the moment where they're going to be. Yeah, good. But, uh, they've got Fidel in the media dining room. So that's going <laughs> to cut into that, too. But to your point, though, man, I, I think the West is going to be awesome. Like there are six or seven teams that they got a chance to be in the conference finals or finals. Uh, awesome in the sense wide of open. awesome in the sense of entertaining because the balance of power has shifted to these. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. But I just mean from wide out from wide openness. Like yeah. there's there's a bunch of teams that can win in the East. Really, after the top two, it's the same thing. Like three to sort of eight or nine or ten is wide open. I think too. So there's yeah. a lot I'll of tell stuff you what, going on. Uh, uh, if you are in the top of the East and you watched the uh, Pacers and, and Hornets play an opening night. You'd be like, well, I'm not taking, I'm not guaranteeing any wins against those dudes because mm-hmm. both those teams look pretty good on opening yeah. night. And by the way, the Hawks feel the Hawks feel slighted right now. They're, you know, well, yeah. Trey Young got, was listen. talking to shoot around today saying he heard someone on TV talking about the Bucks and Nets and the conference finals. He's like, uh, I'm pretty sure we were in the conference finals last year. Well, just year. think about it this way. You got the Bucks and Nets, right? Then you've got the Heat. The Hawks, the Sixers, the Knicks, and the Celtics at minimum. There's just five mm-hmm. teams right there. One of those teams at minimum is going to be in the play-in, maybe more. Right. Like that's before you get into Washington, who won by 30 last night, or uh um, or one by 20, I guess, over Toronto or Chicago, or you know, any of these other teams like you know, Indiana or Charlotte, or I mean, there's there's a lot of good teams in just the East. Just wait now. for Tyler Hero against the Bucks Thursday night. Well, that's gonna it's, be an exciting game. Tyler Heroes look very good in the preseason. It's either gonna pretty, be three. It's either going to be three of 15 or 12 of 15, which is it well, going he, to be boys? The heat, the heat are pretty excited about Tyler hero. He had a good preseason. <laughs> yes, he did. They feel excited. We'll see all my friends. I said, get in, you know, all my friends consult me about their draft, their fancy drafts. I said, Tyler hero, Tyler hero, Tyler hero, the Oracle of Omaha. Well, yeah, you've been on Tyler hero for, <laughs> Oh, so wait, so Wendy actually made year, a prediction. So. Holy, yeah, I know uh, well, prediction. Ring the Wendy. bell, ring the bell. Like, what did I predict? <laughs> what did I predict? 
You predicted that Tyler Hero was. I mean, he's been on the Tyler Hero. I mean, he's been on Tyler Hero for over a year. So Windhorse just predicted Tyler Hero's. Is that what I did? The NBA and scoring this season. Aggregate that. <laughs> I said he's either going to go three of fifteen or he's going to go twelve of fifteen. He did. That's he did. He did make a prediction that Tyler Hero was better than the Mellow Ball a year ago. That didn't ooh, end up so looking ooh. so great. That's why not what bring, I said. Why you got to bring up old stuff? <laughs> this is why he won't make predictions because you remember them. I mean, listen, it, it, when you make them once in a blue moon and then try to pound your chest about it, you got to. It sounds like he chugged that. a few blue moons and made that. Uh, all I know is last night I was at the Pelicans game and I saw Jonas Valanciunas go three of 19. That's what I know. Well, I, before we go, since we've had all these, these sad things, I got to say being at MSG last night for Kemba's first game back and seeing this wacky game that should have been over in regulation. It said maybe for an extra hour, went to double overtime. It was, uh, it was fun to be at a full MSG that was rocking for yeah. the Knicks again. And, uh, it would be pretty fun if the Knicks and Celtics are four or five and they play in the first round. Uh, I'd, I'd be on I board wanna, for covering that series. I, I want to see Hawks Knicks again. I want to see Trey Young oh, back I mean, in now, the Madison Square Garden playoff oh, yeah. stage. I think oh, I'm yeah. going to be at that game on Christmas Day, I'm guessing. Uh, it will be his first game back. That's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty fun, too. Well, I wish I was at that game. You're going to be at tonight, big man. Hawks, the Hawks Mavs are going to be fun. The Hawks Mavs, but yeah, it's two, two fun teams. Obviously, young stars. Look, that's the thing. Like, all this bull crap going on and the, and the NBA is flooded with bull crap. Let's just be honest. Um, but it's also loaded with fun, young Thank stars. You. Thank and like, you. The, the like, talent level is as good a place as maybe ever been. Honestly, <sighs> I'm you. really fired up for the season. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Listen, the games are great. The BS around it is a pain <laughs> in the ass. I was at the smoothie King center last night and it was not rocking. So well, they should have asked and Zion, uh, Zion they, to shift his weight. They there. announced they announced the um, you know opening night. They announced everybody, and you know second the two way guys and everything. The whole team got announced. Run out from the tunnel, the smoke and the lasers. They announced Zion. He wasn't there to run out or walk <laughs> no. out. He was he was he was back sipping on some Mountain Dew to get hyped for the game. I mean, he came out <laughs> five minutes later and sat behind the bench in a gorgeous suit. He was the best dressed guy on the court last night because, you know, nobody wears suits anymore. But I was like, come on, man, come out with the come out when you get announced. It's the only time the fans are going to see you for a couple for months, probably. Well, I'm surprised because you know how much he loves New Orleans. I mean, he told us all about it on media day. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening to Who Collective Podcast. Everybody have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.